So this is the end of Jay Shetty's Live Like a Monk. Enjoy. And I realized I've been doing so many book summaries lately, sneaking in some one-off things like the Elliot Lake speech and some interviews with friends that I haven't touched on TikTok wisdom for so long. I thought I had told you a bunch of this stuff, but turns out I haven't. There is so much gold. I can't wait to break down. That'll be next week, though. I'm already just excited about it. Anyways, we finish up the book. Enjoy. This is a hot take by Jay Shetty, which is look for who's giving you love. We often give love to people who don't love us back. Now, this reminds me of loyalty. I've always tell people those who are loyal to you, keep them close for life. And I actually just saw a TikTok the other day of this really successful businessman saying that to him, when someone trusts, keep them close. Keep the people that trust you close and go. And as he said, take them for the ride. Just take them all the way. Sorry. And no, no, it was people he trusts. My bad. It's who you trust. But honestly, it goes both ways. If people trust you, also go with them. Jay Shetty believes karma exists. My question to you, do you believe karma exists? I think karma, I think it's a bit of a shtick. I I don't know. For me, mutual respect is a thing. And the golden rule is a thing. Treat others like you want to be treated. And I do also believe like you do things for people, they will feel inclined to do things for you. It kind of works that way. If you're mean to people, they don't want to do anything to you or they might be lash out back to you. Like, I understand karma kind of exists, but I don't think it's a law. People that believe it's a law, like, they are kind of manifesting that fakakta, but I don't know. I, I don't buy into it fully. Now, this is some chokhmah. This is a golden nugget. The person who is your teacher might one day be your student and vice versa. The student might become the teacher and the teacher might become the student. Don't assume others to be either or. Never assume that someone's a teacher or the student because that role is always changing. And actually, I've talked about this a lot with people in my life since I read this book because you start to see people who are typically authoritative figures in your life and vice versa, people that you should be the authority of. And you start to see like, wait a second, I'm learning from you even though I have to be the one bossing you around and vice versa. You know, I'm like, this person actually isn't teaching me anything and yet they're supposed to be like I'm the student and sometimes I feel like I'm the teacher and vice versa you know what I mean it's weird it's always changing people I think that the takeaway though is that you can learn from anyone literally you can learn from anyone I have a ton of youth athletes I learn from and then you can also teach to anyone you know there are people clients of mine who are almost retired who are very well off and very successful not just like financially I'm saying like family life you know, success, hard work, like things I aspire to have. And heck, like, yeah, they teach and they also are the students sometimes. So we expect too much of others when we don't have a clear sense of their purpose in our lives. This is something I took away from this book, actually. And I I took it away way more than I thought. I, I talk about this all the time to this day because I hear so many people kvetch about their crappy relationships and and it always comes up like we expect one person to fill all the empty buckets in our life typically being our spouse where it's like everyone serves a different purpose in our life and it should be that way we shouldn't feel like a small group of people should fulfill every need of ours because then it causes resentment and friction and a lack of control and 
withdrawal and like all these things that create arguments in relationships when like those would all be eradicated if we just understood people's purpose in our life now notice he said don't expect too much of others when we don't have a clear sense you can flip that and be like okay if you do have a clear sense of someone's purpose expect a lot out of them you know what i mean like like for me some people my purpose in their life is to keep them fit they expect highly in that like they really expect me to keep them fit and so i do like but it you shouldn't expect that out of your spouse because they're not that's not what they're in their, your life for <laughs> anyways that was the end of chapter 10 chapter 11 which was on chanting and meditation i actually had nothing i liked about that chapter there were a, a ton of meditation strategies but i always thought okay i could just flip back to those if i want like that's a book i'll always have on the shelf and i can always go back to those meditation techniques which also a book called the Okinawa Program, which I have not done a podcast on. It's just all about, oh, actually, maybe I have done way back before you guys listen. This is like one of the first few episodes I talked about some stuff in the Okinawa diet. It's one of the blue zones where people's, the average age is like 90 or 100. And they talk about them because they're very meditative. And there's so many good strategies in that book. Just like Live Like a Monk, tons of great strategies on meditation. And, and I, yeah, I guess since we're talking about it, I don't know if you meditate much, but there's box breathing, which is when you inhale for X amount of time and then exhale for X amount of time. And in between the two breaths, you also hold your breath for X amount of time, usually four seconds. There's a, there's a type of meditation where you just look at one thing because get this, the science of it is when we are thinking about stuff, our eyes move. And actually you can, this is how the FBI knows if people are lying and stuff is you can track people's eye movement to see how, how they're thinking. Now, if you just stare at one thing, I want you to try this right now. If you're not driving, look at one thing and don't look away from it. It's going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard, but it's notice you do not think about anything else. I'm going to give you five seconds actually right now. Just look at one thing really hard. Start now. There, notice how things slowed down, time slowed down. Your thoughts weren't going mashuga. (laughs) That is the power of that technique, which I actually learned way later. Then there's mindfulness, which is you go through all your senses, what you hear, what you smell, what you taste, what you touch, what you see, even with your eyes closed, what you see. That's one strategy. And uh, guided meditation, obviously. Um, There's others where like you picture scenarios. So you picture that you're a ship and you, the tides, or like the, the white caps, those are thoughts, and those are other fakakta coming into your life. And you're the ship just cutting through it. And those white caps and tides keep going. They keep going past you, but you're the ship, and you're just going, and you're going through them. That's See, some people like to meditate through these guided methods. There's like another, which is you're just observing the clouds going by. Another is there's a chalkboard, and a thought comes onto the chalkboard, and you erase it. And you just keep that chalkboard clear. Like some of this stuff helps people. And yeah, I love schmoozing meditation because I I do it every night for five minutes. I have for a year and a half now. Um, minus a few, there have been times when I go on trips. Maybe I don't. Uh, yeah, and then there are a few nights because I'm not a perfect human being. There are a few nights I don't. But I'll breathe. Hey, I'll always close my eyes even if it's for like three or four breaths. So I might not do five minutes. But there have been like some nights here and there I just like sit and breathe for a few minutes, like a minute and 
And I just try to, what I try to do, because I forget where I read this, is you want to alter your state. When you meditate, the goal is just to change your state. And actually, in that chapter about meditation, I forgot about this, he says five minutes isn't enough. And this broke my heart because I've been doing five minutes for like a year and a half. And it has helped me. Like there were times I'd walk home from work in the summer and I was so in the present moment. I didn't want to leave that moment. I I was like, this is the perfect life. I am living the dream. I am content. When that contentment though, it scared me. It really scared the living for cacti out of me. And anyways, just five minutes a day was making me start to become super mindful in the moment. And to this day, I am. To this day, I'm so mindful. I love it. I'm so grateful for it. And, and that's why I'm preaching this on to you. Is like, I really want you to feel what I feel. He says five minutes is not enough. I disagree. He, because he says it takes 15 minutes for him to clear his mind. And I get what he's saying. Like, I've meditated for 15 minutes, uh, 20, 30. You, your mind clears after like, you know, 10 minutes or so. I, I see what he's saying there. Uh, the very end of this book is, it's a quiz. He puts you through a little quiz after everything you learn, and and it suggested I was a guide. I forget all the options, but I was a guide for people apparently. That's just, and I was like, okay, this sounded like a horoscope though. When I when I learned read that, I was like, is this like a horoscope? Like, is he just throwing this schmaltzy fuck at me and just saying like, and then making me reflect and confirm the bias? I don't know. I don't. Know. <laughs> But anyways, I don't know what y'all thought. Maybe, so that's like a five-part series, I swear. Because I I went through part one with you. I then gave you my speech for the Red Wings. I then just kept chipping through the book until now. That's, it's got to be like four parts. I hope you enjoyed that book. It was a really good one. Um, yeah, I'll probably try to read it again. There are a few chapters I could skip. But overall, just some good messages. Uh, people said that Jay Shetty was a scam. Like, I've heard lots of people say he steals all the info. And, but then in the very back, he had a plethora of sources, like tons, like it was like 10 pages of just sources. So I don't know. I don't think he's much of a scam, but anyways, uh, I liked it seven out of 10 and the next, uh, there's tons of TikTok tock I'm going to be going through now, like a lot actually, <laughs> but I'm in the middle of reading a marriage book and I am writing down notes from that. So heck you might in like 10 episodes from now get a marriage summary but there's so much tiktok stuff i'm gonna do before then anyways we're at the 10 minute mark i don't know do you guys want this to be the shortest podcast ever or do you should we just go through some uh tiktok i think you know that's a rhetorical question i think you know exactly what we're doing let's get right into it so there's a saying here they who blame others is a long way to go on their journey they who blame themselves is halfway there they who blame no one has arrived when I, so I vividly remember that I actually refer to this all the time. I tell people this all the time. I cried when I heard this because I had a beautiful song playing in the car once after I had heard this and I put the car on and I, I literally called my sister and I say, cause there's some family shit. And I was like, it's, n- it's not your fault. It's not dad's fault. It's nobody's fault. But, and I was like really emotional and cause it's so true. You get to a point where you're like, okay, you could blame someone else. You could blame yourself, which is very common. And then you get to a point where you're like, no, because, and if you've listened to enough of these podcasts, you, I always talk about projection. I always, especially last episode, we talked about borrowing and how Jay Shetty talks about, we borrow everything. Like how, once you realize all this, it's a no brainer. You can't blame anyone else. And that is forgiveness. Wow. Yeah. I love that. It's a Chinese proverb, I think. 
Anyways, there's this guy, uh, Joe Dispenza. I'm surprised I haven't read one of his books yet. But anyways, he preaches how when you accept the polar opposite to what you want, then you're free. You are free at that point. You have created space to achieve it. So think about it. For example, you could be broke. So if you have a fear of being broke, you can't suppress that. Once you realize you could be, you're free to go make money. It's no longer a fear when you've accepted it. You could be the worst athlete ever. And so now you've created some space to actually go and pursue athletics. You could die. Once you realize you could die, you start to live more freely. And you're not scared of death. Like when you're scared of something, you start to restrict opportunities. Like, and, and I, I just, this is not anything poetic. Like straight up, when you're scared of something, folks, you miss out on so much. Like you, you cut out so much of your life. You miss out on so much joy. And, and actually all the stuff you're cutting out because it could lead to your fear half of that stuff is going to propel you to overcome it. That's the funny thing. You know what I mean? Anyways, there's another piece of chokhmah, wisdom. The reason you aren't doing exactly what you want in this moment is because the best, the, sorry, because the past part of you still doesn't trust the believing part of you. Okay, so right now you believe you can do something, but the past part of you does not trust this part of you that believes because in the past you didn't believe it and it just doesn't quite trust that you believe it right now. And I just like that. So that's why you're not doing exactly what you want right now. Because there's there's that past part of you holding you back. Actually uh, in, in in the I remember vividly they call it your past experiences flashing relaying across your eyes, blinding you from opportunity. That's what because it was in this detaching from outcomes video I watched. And that's what happens is sometimes people get paralyzed because, again, their past, their past in general just flashes in front of their eyes constantly, r- reminding them, don't do this, don't do that, da, da 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 And that's why now I hope you understand what it says here. The past part of you doesn't trust the believing part of you. Like, that is why. All right. This next part is... You, oh my gosh, I love this. I love this. I've, I've been using this because I deal with so many kids at work. Tell kids, you should be proud of yourself versus I'm proud of you. So they develop intrinsic motivation. And I, it just hit me. I'm like, oh my gosh, think how many people all they hear is, oh, I think it's awesome you did this. I love that you did this. I, and now we're, we're taught subconsciously, if someone doesn't like what we're doing and if someone isn't proud, then we aren't proud and we don't like what we're doing. That's called living your life on someone else's agenda. That's misery. So you start subconsciously programming kids like, are you proud of yourself? You should be proud of yourself. And now the kids are thinking, and actually that's the thing, even saying you should or you must be proud of yourself is kind of rhetorical. I've started straight up asking people, kids come in and they say like, yeah, I scored a goal on the weekend. I go, are you proud of yourself for scoring that goal? And then they actually start thinking for themselves. That's the thing. That's If I parent, I'm going to do as much of that as possible, is guide the thought process so they think for themselves. You're a parent. Obviously, you still have to teach. That is your job. But teaching doesn't have to be scolding or, or jamming things down their throat. Teaching can be just guidance. And then let them 
use their application yet let them discover see what i'm saying let them um hear their own authentic voice on to a totally different thing i saw this video the 80 year rotation there's a name for this but anyways it's when a weak generation causes a disaster as we'd say in yiddish a service and that will actually breed a strong generation and then that strong generation they breed a comfortable generation because think about it like they had to pave the way so someone was comfortable and then that comfortable generation they live a comfortable life but they don't do anything they don't pave any paths so then they breed a weak generation that can't handle a rough path and that then proceeds to create a strong generation because these kids are are growing up on a really rough path and they learn to pave a new one for their kids. So now that you know that 80-year rotation, because it takes roughly a, a, a lifetime to do, think about the Great Depression. Okay, that followed. What did that follow? The Roaring Twenties, because in the Twenties, where the Industrial Revolution was invented, business was boom. The economy was hot, so hot that it was propped up. Once a few things took out these props, it crashed that's when in the 30s shit hit the fan because of the crash it led to some other things it led to wars and that generation paved the way for the hippies that were comfortable and the hippies paved the way for some weak helicopter parents and a lot of people think that we are in the midst of creating a strong generation again now i don't know this like it's so hard because of, and they call Gen Zs. I'm a Gen Z, technically speaking. I'm right on the brink. I'm a zillennial. It's like a, it, I am a one to two year generation. Literally, my generation, the zillennials are in between. We're sandwiched between two generations, millennials and Gen Zs. So, like, I'm my own little breed. But, anyways, people call us snowflakes. And yet, it's weird because if this rotation is true, people a few years younger than me and people being born, that gap, that Gen Z gap there they should be the next strong generation which is weird because we think like but they're hooked to their phones they they're insecure they're committing suicide all the time they're like that doesn't sound like a strong generation but they're just kids so maybe when they grow up and actually this is where it could be true maybe they're going to realize and i've realized this we were the guinea pigs i myself we were guinea pigs for social media even my sister who's 34 like she only got social media when she was already done high school and stuff we we were the guinea pigs and we see what it's done to our minds and we see what it's doing currently to the young kids minds so like maybe the strong generation will put an end to that and be like no this and and we'll see the literature because the studies are a little preclinical right now like they'll come out you just wait give it 10 20 years we're gonna see just how detrimental this all was like social media being jammed down their throats like these companies messing with the neurochemicals of 10 year olds to profit on the uh, algorithm to just so ad companies would pay the money like go go watch social dilemma that's what they talk about the strong generation is going to crush that narrative and be like no we need to change things we cannot have our kids be hooked to this this is not the way unless unless like there's a new metaverse a a world where social media doesn't exist because the world itself is social media you know what i mean like imagine virtual reality you go walking through a town and it's a virtual town so there's no social media but really it is like that'd be like calling us going running an errand social media we're just going to run an errand like i don't know it's so deep i'm sorry if i just blew your mind there but that 
could be the, the, ne- the next generation. Oh my gosh, I think I'm realizing that I've already talked about a lot of this stuff. Yeah, I knew it. I've already talked about a lot of this stuff. It's because, I know, it's because that book summary was sandwiched between a bunch of wisdom. I guess you guys just got a reiteration of some old stuff. I gotta go way down and find the new stuff that I haven't talked about yet. Yeah, so people, I, oh my gosh, I haven't talked about so much. There's so much that I haven't touched because I just went back and I took like 10 minutes there to look at all my podcasts. I've been doing a bunch of book summaries and a few other things got in the way, some interviews. Thank goodness they got in the way. Some interviews with Scott I did. And then I, what was it? Yeah, the speech for the team, all this stuff. Yeah, even though I swear I talked about this stuff with y'all. One second. So I'll, I'll kick off this TikTok Hokma before I go with this. The older we become, the quieter we get. Life itself humbles us, and we realize how much time we waste on nonsense and irrelevance. It's so true. We do get quieter, we just get older. Uh, yeah, so there's so much that I swear I told y'all, and hey, maybe this will be a refresher course. I don't mind refreshing you on some stuff. That Again, I swear, but I can't find it. I can't. I was searching through some old podcasts. I can't find this stuff, but I'll just go through it again. So, yeah, um, I'll touch on this again next week, but for the time being, let this sit with you. Manifestation and the golden rule, they actually intersect. Why do you think they intersect? Excuse me. Well, I will explain next week. Thanks for tuning in once again. Enjoy your week. Thanks for tuning in once again. That's it for